1: Yeah, this podcast is all that you
2: A Ted Lasso podcast on Post Show Recaps, you better believe it, it's the Ted Lasso Show here on Post Show Recaps talking Season 2, Episode 4, Carol of the Bells. I'm Josh Wiggler wishing a merry, merry to you, my friend
1: Antonio Mazzaro. Happy Christmas, Joshua. Happy Christmas.
2: Uh, A little little off uh, season. A little off uh, season. A
1: little off schedule as well.
2: I'm not going to be mad about getting to celebrate Christmas a little bit early. Everything's been terrible lately. (laughs) Uh, uh, Santa Claus himself once said, I believe, everything has sucked lately. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I believe Santa Claus did say that. uh, Can't stop crying. Cosmic gumbo. Can't stop crying. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. So uh, here we are talking Santa, talking Christmas uh, on a very special Christmas episode of Ted Lasso that you know is a very special episode of Ted Lasso by that Claymation opening credits, Uh, whether it's the Secret Santa that gave it away first, uh, Sexy Christmas and the Fragile Leg Lamp, this is an episode that is just studded with Christmas Easter eggs. Uh, and I think a fun one to talk through. Uh, and of course, yes, uh, Christmas comes early to Ted Lasso, but perhaps comes late to your podcast feed. As we had warned you last week that this one would be coming your way a little bit later than usual. So we appreciate the patience as always Antonio. Hey, how you feeling
1: i'm feeling fine i'm a little confused first you said christmas easter egg so that's a real mixed metaphor there and uh listen jesus i'm is, jewish i don't know what i'm doing jesus is born and killed in one breath um yeah. then you also said carol of the bells i don't remember her from the episode was she was she was like in she in the crowd at the end or she,
2: that's the dentist's. uh that's the dentist she's oh, you know Herbie. the ussie's the, the mother It just occurred to me
1: that Dentist on Christmas in in the mix with Claymation is yet another uh, tribute there. Uh, Having a Christmas show revolve revolve around a dentist is yet another thing. So there we go. Oh, my
2: God. I'm just very glad that we do this podcast remotely, Antonio. I feel like if we were in the same room right now, you'd catch a whiff of my breath and fear that I'm dying. dying. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You might be dying Yeah, uh, same, actually I think both of us probably loaded up on the antihistamines last night So here we go uh, Be glad you're not my microphone head
2: I'm not I'm I'm not especially mad about it to be honest with you. All right, so we've got a lot of Ted Lasso to talk about. As always, send your feedback our way, Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps You can also hit us up on our respective Twitters. I'm at Rand Howard. Antonio at AC Mazzaro, How many Zs? How many R's? There's
1: two with the Zs and one with the
2: R's. Uh, and we're, of course, also on the post show recaps patron discord. You can sign up patreon.com slash post show recaps. It's a sprawling chat room with so many people who are just like you, just want to talk TV, want to talk about all the great things out there in the world, and are just incredible people. They're waiting to meet you. Uh, we've got a big Ted Lasso channel in there as well, so you can talk about all of the episodes. So consider signing up patreon.com slash post show recaps. Let's talk about. Episode four, which I think for many people, they were braced for a Christmas episode, but it really does feel like um, a standalone episode in many ways, Antonio. And that's not by accident, right?
1: Right. Uh, This is something that I think with a little bit of research, we can reveal. Uh, A special shout out to Kelsey Ann on Twitter, who tweeted us a link from uh, an interview uh, from the LA Times uh where the the real a tea, essentially the real background behind this episode was 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 delved into uh this it's interesting because obviously it is a tribute to all these other things but it's also a tribute to apple i think maybe being new into television uh, all 10 episodes of this season, not including this episode, were written. Uh, the writer's room on Ted Lasso, including writer Joe Kelly, who wrote this episode, uh, had broken the stories for all 10 episodes. So they had connected everything they wanted to do. They had set out all their plot lines. They had really got the season in order for 10 episodes. And then Apple came to them probably... As a result of the show becoming more and more popular, Apple really crunching some numbers and seeing how it was driving subs to Apple Plus or, or Apple TV Plus or whatever the, the case may be, and said, hey, do you, can you guys give us two more episodes? And so the Ted Lasso writer's room was faced with a quandary. Like, what do we do? We already have our season broken. We could, we could like reinvent the whole thing. Or we could find some way to go back and put two episodes into this continuity without screwing everything up. And that's what they did. They, they, they gave us two episodes. We're going to get another one at some point later in the season. That is more of a standalone episode like this one that doesn't have like a propulsive plot. So that's this episode is a product of that. And as a result, we're not exactly sure what happens next uh, it seems to me like uh, it could go either way but it feels like maybe Ted Lasso the show is a little bit less interested in dealing with the big moments that they build up at the end of episodes and more interested in just showing these characters uh, at work and at play uh, and and building on the themes that we have from episode to episode so it wouldn't surprise me either way if we go back to where we were and find out what happened between last episode and Christmas, or if we just take off from here and there was already a time jump baked into these 10 episodes uh, and this Christmas episode, therefore, was easy to slot in. Uh, it really could go either way. Uh, it seems like the this episode, though, was conceived of written and inserted into the season after they already had the plans for the whole season. And we're going to get one more like this. And again, if you're interested in that article, we'll make sure we post a link in the show notes. Uh, but it is an interview with Joe Kelly, the writer of this episode and other Ted Lasso episodes. And it's with the Los Angeles times uh, an interview with Ashley Lee from uh, posted August last Friday, August 13th.
2: Um, so there's going to be one more standalone episode coming up this season is it going to be Secret Agent Beard? Is this going to be how we get the uh, the sprawling Coach Beard backstory? Can you just like very elegantly place uh, a Coach Beard standalone episode basically in any point in time?
1: You could. I, I imagine that in that in that realm, what we would probably have is a lot of Beard moments that uh, span a- across the course of the season. Uh, there's that would be really funny. It's something that's been talked about, uh, and that seemed like it was debated in the writers' room in season one, and they they made the active decision to keep Beard a little bit more of a man of mystery, and have things happening in the background, like oh he's all of a sudden he's just he's doing all this chess stuff. Oh he's got a mystery girlfriend. Oh he's sleeping in the office. Like Beard's life is separate and apart from the uh, the trials and tribulations of AFC Richmond. Uh, so maybe we could see something to that effect of what's going. I, it, you could, you could do any number of things. You could do a flashback episode, not flashback to any moment necessarily at AFC Richmond, but we could see, uh, what AFC Richmond in, it was, was like in the, in the days before Ted, maybe in the very few days before Ted. Uh, we could see Ted and Beard at, with a football team. Like there are options, I think, for things we could do if we wanted to fill continuity without ruining continuity or just fill plot or fill time without ruining the stuff they had it's already a lot broken. Of fills. A lot of Phil's, like a uh, Phil. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who plays Jamie Tartt's name is Phil.
2: Oh yeah, Phil Dunster.
1: Yeah, so there you go. Get That's another the guy. Phil. <laughs> yeah, and maybe and maybe yeah. they'll get Phil Dunfee from Modern Family. Uh, maybe that. Oh happen. my
2: God! Yeah, it'd be great, Phil. Uh, <laughs> so lots of lots of options. Do a Groundhog Day episode. Uh, yeah, that would be good. Be, uh, Ned Ryerson, it be something that we get into. Uh, it's me, Ned. Uh, let's get into Ned Lasso. Let's get into the <laughs> to the greater episode uh, of Ted Lasso. Because just very quickly to say, like, I agree. I think like it's hard to know. Like, do we pick up on Dubai Air next week? Is that a story that we're really, really following? Like the fallout from that. You would think so in um, in most normal circumstances but this the fact that this episode um, was able to exist in this time and so much time has passed already um, does make you think like either there's a time jump or Uh, it's going to be, you know, quickly dealt with. I'm just not sure. We're pretty close to the episode dropping as we are saying these words. I think our energy is better devoted this week to talking about the episode in its own, um, in its own terms this time around. Which is not to say that there isn't, like, very important character stuff to talk about. I think especially as regards, uh, probably Ted and Rebecca might be the place to start Um, this week. There's a a lot of different possible paths you could go, right? Like There's the Ted and Rebecca storyline, which starts initially just as Ted having a very lonely Christmas, uh, his first one away from the family, and his first one since the divorce process began with Michelle, um, first one away from his son, and he's just going to be watching It's a Wonderful Life and pounding whiskey all day, uh, which uh, ding, 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 this is something that we have certainly had on our radar a little bit along the way, Ted's drinking troubles, um, or at least a pattern of potentially problematic behavior and here he is just going to be day drinking by himself the whole way through is certainly notable before he gets picked up by uh, Rebecca to go on this Santa Claus crusade for the rest of the day. I feel like it's a it's a really fun storyline and probably one that's that's going to be pretty important to both of these characters moving forward would be my bet.
1: It does seem like it. And it certainly underscores the, I think, the real connection that they could forge uh, as divorces, like people who understand the emotional space that the other is occupying uh, and people who are willing to support each other through that. Uh, we saw ultimately the the real big move in season one in that regard was how quickly Ted forgives Rebecca or claims to forgive Rebecca uh, for everything when she comes clean. And he just basically says divorce is hard. Like So we know that these two get it on some level that their darkest moments or their weakest moments uh, maybe come from a place that is related to that. uh, And as a result, maybe they can support each other better than just a a random partner could. So there is something there. Uh, There's obviously a question, and I'm sure everybody has your mileage may vary on this, of whether we want that to happen. Uh, The show, I think, is walking us in a direction where maybe some doubters would be turned to believers. But that is definitely something I think that is continues to be in play. And this episode's events between Ted and Rebecca, and especially Rebecca's emotional understanding of what Ted might have been going through on that day and her willingness to put aside, Josh, witnessing a puppet show uh, with Daniel Craig and Rachel Weiss. Uh, she wants to witness something else between the two of them anyway. Yes. Um, but her willingness to put all that aside and really be there for Ted. Uh, i I had said on earlier podcasts this season that what I felt like we maybe wanted to see from Rebecca this season was a little bit of a charm offensive uh, by means of her making up for everything that she put Ted through emotionally. It's one thing for Ted to say, I forgive you, but for we as viewers, uh, we have to make sure that we're on the same page um, with Ted and Rebecca in terms of their actions, I think to really get behind them as a couple. And for Rebecca, it was a really rough road to hoe last season. And now I think we're seeing this is a person being proactive about emotional support of those around her. Um, this is a person who recognizes the position Ted is in. Uh, she's a, a bit of an angel in that way. And if you want to look at it on those terms, he's watching It's a Wonderful Life, uh, probably the most beautiful film ever about someone's uh, contemplating taking their own life. Uh, and the events of that movie, uh, someone comes into that equation uh, and removes them uh, and shows them their worth or value as a human being, and things change, obviously. So is that what... Rebecca, is that the role Rebecca plays with Ted in this episode? Is that the role Ted plays with Rebecca overall in life? And these are important questions. And I think. Absent and apart from analyzing, oh, my gosh, the plot is leading us in this direction, the themes uh, and the connections between these characters, absent any real like overt signs, uh, I just feel like they're really converging. And it feels like there is a connection that is forming that I think we can, as viewers, probably more get behind than we want. And now that connection doesn't have to end romantically, but it is definitely something I think the show is playing with. Do you think that we'll just go... Ah, uh, piece by piece on it, or do you think we're 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 close to something, Josh?
2: Um, so I I don't know. I keep going back and forth because it's one of those things where like it feels it feels very sitcom tropey to get them together, uh, and at the same time, I think that some of the chemistry between them is pretty undeniable. Um, I also think that this has been a show that has that has demonstrated that characters can get together and have. Um, fun dynamic storylines filled with conflict that doesn't have to be directed at each other without it getting bo- without it getting boring. I think Roy and Keeley have been uh, a great example of that. So I'm not like terribly nervous necessarily if the show decides to put Ted and Rebecca together soon. But at the same time, it's obviously um, that's not that's not a small decision. The show transforms, I think, uh, in in a certain way. Whether that's going to be to the better or not, you know, is uh, is something that would remain to be seen. But um, I think Ted Lasso, as a whole, has given us little reason to doubt that they'll be able to pull off most of what they've conceptualized. Um, with all of that said, to me, the the high Ted. Uh, Like when he looks outside and there she is and then they start walking down the street together and they're watching the carolers and it's mostly um, just Ted talking uh, and Rebecca not really saying much. It's a lot of like body language between the two of them. I really felt it and in fact felt like the end of the episode um, when she says like I don't think I'm going to go to the Elton John party like I kind of thought it was about to happen. Like, that was sort of the vibe what do you mean that by I it? was feeling. You know what I mean by it? The thing she wanted to watch Daniel Craig and Rachel Weisz do. A puppet uh, show? <laughs> yeah, they were going to do a puppet show. Yes. I was pretty sure that they were just going to whip out those puppets. Oh, no. Put them on. Oh, no. And start uh Oh no. Start talking start talking nonsense to yeah. each other. Start yeah. teaching each other the alphabet or some. Some shit. Cranky, I don't know. some crank <laughs> yanking yeah. going on. You know, they were about to like teach each other how to count to ten. Uh like I think uh ten lasso. I think it was gonna happen. <laughs> that's how I felt. And obviously it didn't, and it's a standalone episode. Uh, and that's something that, you know, I learned after the fact and it made much more sense um but it feels like if this could be like slotted in somewhere mm-hmm. this did feel like something hey this did feel like something uh, i can't say the next thing i was going to say uh this does feel like i'll just say it this feels like we're like kind of like pole vaulting the dynamic to a certain degree uh that we are getting these two people closer to that point where they could they could pull the trigger relatively soon on something with Ted and Rebecca she's been on um, what's the dating app called
1: again? Hinge? Uh, is that been- what it's called, or no, that's a real yeah, one? Yeah, no, it's thought- uh, it's banter.
2: Banter. She's been yeah. on banter. You know, uh, like she's been really looking at this. Um, Ted has not, and that is interesting to me in terms of like what would the reciprocation look like? Would it exist? Um, that's that's interesting to me uh, as a as a contemplation because I'm I'm getting it a lot more from Rebecca's story being like ready to go there and less so from Ted, maybe at this point. Yeah. It's um, small- but I think that the show, the show might be ready to engage it more directly.
1: I think so. Um, I think so. And it, it makes sense. Like the moment that, uh, she put the high Ted on the ground in a tribute to what he did with high boss in season one. Uh, that was in one of the trailers. And it felt like, okay, they're, you know, they've got Christmas stuff. It just felt like they're going to do a love actually thing. And there's going to be some romantic comedy overtones. We talked about that even prior to the season, that it felt like that's a direction they could go in. Uh, these are people that are so in love with pop culture. The show's littered with references every episode from Hickey Small's Baby Baby uh, to just this, this one just going over all the Christmas movies and sampling from the greatest and really doing sort of a greatest hits of Christmas needle drops. Uh, It they're interested in that. So the idea that you could do some romantic comedy tropes between Ted and Rebecca is juicy. uh, And it's definitely something I think the show could play with. It is a question of whether the viewers want it and whether it represents, as you said, just a moment where they're pulling the trigger on something that changes the scope and dynamic of the show. But what I'm trying to do uh, is stop worrying and love the bomb. Like, literally, I'm trying to just stop fretting about whether Ted Lasso is going to deliver on the plot that they're setting up plot wise. Or if I'm just, should, I, I just need to live with these characters, love them, and enjoy the antics that they get into, and really not be so focused on, uh, well, that scene in episode two really sets up what happens in episode six. Like, we'll know it when we see it. But. They don't seem as interested in leaving a breadcrumb trail to something they'll deliver on. That is not the primary focus of the show, from a storytelling perspective, and certainly not in a standalone episode. So, it, it will be interesting to see if a if they go there and b how soon. Because I, I think the we are, we agree like the possibility is there, but the question is like, do they want to and how do they deliver on it? I mean, we're only at what episode a few episodes into four episodes into. A twelve episode season. So with eight to go, you know, Roy and Keeley got together relatively quickly in season one. There wasn't a lot of sitcom. Will they or won't they? It was just sort of like they will. Uh, So with Ted and Rebecca, maybe they play those games a little bit more, and maybe they don't. Um, But one interesting note is that you know you mentioned. Ted maybe not being there uh, when he is FaceTiming with his son uh, and his ex-wife Michelle uh, when the son is taking the drone and is so excited and leaves to FaceTime and it's Ted and Michelle of course those moments are going to be awkward but right before that Ted with his Santa Claus hat on has referred to uh, Michelle as Mrs. Claus who says Mrs. Claus charged it up overnight so I don't I mean that's a, a little small thing I didn't I didn't look to notice to see um, if Ted has continued to wear his wet, wedding ring I know he's taken it off in the past Um, is it all for good? I have not been tracking that but it is uh, it is possible that Ted maybe is not as ready as Rebecca, but that would make sense because he's a little more distant or she's a little more distant from everything that happened with her and Rupert than he is uh, with, with himself and Michelle. And maybe she is meant to be more of a spirit guide. Like, maybe she is meant to be more of a supportive friend and she'll help him. Not every male and female character, Josh, that have feelings, uh, emotional feelings for each other need to get together. I think we need to get away from our need to ship people like that. I don't think it's healthy emotionally because it presents us with the frame or the belief system that, oh, men and women can't have relationships like that. So right. I, I, you know, I don't know what the show is interested in doing with these two, but I do agree that they seem on one level to make a very good emotionally supportive match for one another. Uh, and that in and of itself uh, is something. Now, the power dynamic is something completely different. That makes it, I think, a very bad match. He's, the, he's an employee of hers. I mean, he is, he is the coach of this team. <laughs> for how long...
2: Right yeah. I think about a three season arc
1: <laughs> right <laughs> that is the question right like if you yeah. want to do that like he if he's going to remain the coach of this team, like it becomes very complicated and very like not in a good way uh dirty um and I don't know. So I, I don't know about that as, with regard to like his role in AFC Richmond and her role in AFC Richmond and what that would mean for all the other employees. I mean, on some level, if they continue with their performance, you got to let the guy go. I mean, you, I know Santa, as Ted, as Ted Lasso here with the, the Santa hat on, Sam says Santa's true power is endurance, not speed. But we're enduring a lot, it seems, with AFC Richmond. We see the record on the wall, four wins, four losses, 14 draws. Uh, after, after all the, after 26 matches, I mean, they've only got, uh, 20 to go. So, uh, I don't know about that. I just don't know. And not 26, sorry, 22. Um, but I, I just don't know, um, about the power dynamic of that and how this show would deal with that. And the answer is probably it, it really wouldn't care and it wouldn't make it uh, nasty, but, um, that's something very real that I think the show should consider. And the writers hopefully considered when they were deciding whether to bring these two together.
2: Um just very quickly uh there there is like the the win loss draw record on the board in the in the background so we know it's a marker of how much time has passed um it's also giving us uh a, a real sense of how the team is doing um, what are their What are their prospects for restoring to their former glory, such as it were, uh, at this point? Based on the record, Antonio, can they still do it? Is this Is it Is it hairier uh, than than perhaps they would like right now?
1: It's definitely hairier. They'll probably have to go fourteen wins, four losses, and four draws, or something to that effect, uh, to get themselves into the position they need to be in. Uh, but it's it 's doable it 's absolutely doable if the team you know takes on an upward trajectory from the holiday period on um, it 's something i mean we sort of loosely mentioned this, but in order for them to get back to the premier league there 's Two main uh, paths. They could finish first or second in the championship, which is seemingly unlikely at this point. And probably from a story perspective, not what they ever wanted to have be the case uh, because there's less drama in that. Uh, However, um, the third place team uh, will also go up. But the third place in the championship uh, is not determined by just at the end of the season who has the, the amount of points for third place. What happens is the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place teams go into a four-team playoff. Playoffs? Oh, that would be good. Uh, Ted doing the Jim Mora rant. Um, <laughs> you, could, uh, you could... So the, the, those teams go into a playoff. Uh, so you don't need to finish even third, or you, and you definitely don't need to finish first or second to come up. You can finish sixth and win that playoff and make your way into... Uh, in, and still get promoted. Uh, in order to get to those positions, sixth place in the championship, you're typically in the low 70s over the last several years, uh, low to mid to high 70s. So let's, let's just set it at like 76 points that they need, uh, and, and say that that would probably get them comfortably into sixth place and into that playoff. That means they need to get 50 points, uh, 50 points from their remaining, uh, 24 matches and if uh, wins are worth three and draws are worth one you can do the math on that Uh, to get to 50 points you're going to have to win a vast majority of those matches Uh, and we're looking at a team right now that's four or four wins four losses and 14 draws something significant has to change uh, for them to get to the point where they're winning now one of the things with the time jump we don't know what's broken Um, we don't know why they're not scoring we know we had dr fieldstone earlier in the season uh, and she was helping these players and there was a big discussion about whether, Oh, you know, zero wins, zero losses and eight draws was, was working. Um, since then, it looks like they've improved, but not significantly. Um, they're still primarily drawing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just, we don't, we don't really know what's happening. Like we thought Jamie Tart coming back to the team uh, might help uh, spark some kind of uh, team. God uprising. bless me. Everyone. everyone. Great one scene for Jamie Tart here. Just a perfect in character scene for Jamie Tart. Forget it's secret, you know, just not wanting to acknowledge the email. I want to
2: spoil the surprise, would I? Yes,
1: yes. So, uh, that is, uh, oh, sorry, my agent's calling. Um, I have just got, uh, Oh, the ringer wants me. I'm um, sorry, Josh. Uh, no, just kidding. You gotta um, go. Yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, the the you know the the deal is like, why are they losing? Like with Jamie Tart. Like why why is this not? Why did this not fix the the outcome or the results? And so. I do think if we're going to time jump we should probably get into like what happened like why did they not you know we're skipping the first win we're skipping the Dubai Air fallout we're skipping any kind of backlash that Sam or any of those players might have received for their actions that they were taken we're skipping whether or not the team stood up for those players the the the, the real uh, the, I mean, cause otherwise we live in a world where Dubai Air lets all that go down. We wait till after Christmas and then Dubai Air is like, you know what? Forget it. We don't like these guys anymore. Like, that doesn't, that's not the real world. So I know Ted Lasso is not the real world, but I would like to know why they're not winning. Uh, and is it a, how Jamie Tartt reintegrated into the team? Is he just not scoring? Is he, being too placid. Is he too good of a teammate now? Is he, has Ted not let him play? Like, I I don't know what's happening. And so it's a hard way to say, like, I don't know how we turn it around because I don't know what the real four, four and 14 means right now. So I'm interested to see how that plays out for sure.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Can we talk about uh, Roy and Keely and Phoebe going to the
1: dentist? We can. That That is a, my favorite storyline of the episode for sure.
2: I... I, so I see I've watched the episode twice now and I laughed so I you know I'm away with with some uh, with some friends right now and have been for the last little while. And so uh, two different sets of people that I've been uh, uh, with at different points in time. Uh, and I, I watched it around both of them. And the first time I watched it, I was like just like watching it on my own because they didn't really watch the show. and I would just like burst out laughing in what seemed like otherwise like total just like tranquil silence. I was just like howling at stuff and everything I was howling at was in the, the Roy and Phoebe storyline uh, and Keeley storyline, whether it was, uh, you know, fine, sexy December 28th, and then he stands up, holy epic shit, you look incredible yes. uh, and just sweeping her off her feet. Everything involved with the reaction to Phoebe's breath uh, that he's been in locker rooms his whole life. He's probably smelled worse and Keeley's like, I don't know. To his reaction of, I think you're dying. Uh, To the story of him, even though he's weak on dairy, uh, eating too much ice cream, and then getting on the bus and poofing himself, finished the story three weeks ago. So funny. to To the kid who opened the door and said... Roy Kent poops his pants
1: Yes. yeah
2: and what of it as he like moves forward (laughs) positioning himself to
1: potentially
2: attack the child if he needed to Uh, and the child's like I do sometimes as well and then Roy's saying well let's both of us knock that off then shall we
1: Uh, if I I can can do do it it, you can do can do it (laughs) um
2: then like the whole montage of the of the hark here the bells and always cutting back to brett goldstein as roy kent clearly just asking are your mom or dad a dentist and then turning around um i laughed so hard at everything involving uh involving this trio this week Uh, one of my favorite storylines um in all of ted lasso just as far as like pure gut busters go
1: I'd love to know, like how was this conceived as their idea and their way to get to a love actually tribute? Like, which by the way, seemed clearly written by uh, Roy in conjunction a little bit with Phoebe, for sure. Like, it seemed like Keely had very little to do with, she wanted no part and she was apologizing as the antics were going down. So, I love the idea that Roy has probably watched Love actually as a fan uh, and wanted to, t- to pay tribute to that moment. He's the one who asked for the markers and poster board, so he was ready for it. I, I just, it was great. Like I really, really enjoyed that. And I, I would like to talk to you though. Speaking of relationships, since we did jump time, was there anything in this episode that you saw between Roy and Keeley that you felt marked any kind of evolution or change or difference in their relationship between where we last left them?
2: no not really for me personally uh, i i and i think maybe that's notable to an extent that they just seem really 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 solid yeah. uh that they that they remain what they've been which is a very good match for each other um i think if anything um, Roy, Roy, not being able to do sexy Christmas the next day because like he's he's what he's gonna be he's gonna be commentating over over the the yeah. the game the next day. He's got pundit uh, to do. So like he's he's like interested. He's into it, right? Like so that worked out. That's continuing to work out. Um. So like something good was something really good was pulled out of him by Keely. Uh. I I think that it's just it's a testament to the fact that these two are really excellent for each other. And I I do think, and I hope that the show is really interested in exploring the ways that these two characters can get into like complicated situations and dramatic situations and very funny situations that need to be untangled without having to threaten the relationship. Um, I think it is very achievable and I'm, I'm uh, I'm deeply fingers crossed about it uh, because I think uh, I, I, I think that they work so well together uh, certainly from an entertainment perspective, they, they work brilliantly together. Um, I don't know. Did you notice anything that had like massively shifted for either one of them?
1: Definitely no massive shifts. It did seem like Keely was, uh... A little had a little, very little patience for Roy Kent wanting to beat up children, which is understandable. Uh, she called him a knobhead. She yelled at him over the the dolphin. Get rid of the cat! You've only had it a month. Your uncle is not a monster, and he would never say something like that. Like she does seem to be like a little bit like okay, Roy, stop being Roy Kent. Like she's taking away uh, or interested in in helping him evolve from uh, the perspective of just wanting to see every problem and fix it with a headbutt. So even though the headbutt was a lightning bolt in some respects in season one when he delivered it in like episode three, and then said, Keely. So I, I do think maybe there is a little bit of Keeley helping Roy along the way here, becoming a more well-rounded person. And sure, some conflict is probably going to emerge from that, but it doesn't have to be like breaking conflict. And I do think that they obviously, as you're pointing out, are still very good for each other in the best ways. Uh, it, it is not lost on me, though, that we've got this, we can't do sexy Christmas conflict stuff. That's happening. Maybe it's just a joke, but maybe it's a way of putting a little bit of conflict into the relationship. There are things that are keeping them apart. Uh, I note that they're not living together. You know, that's a thing. I don't know how long they've been together in their relationship, but they are still apart. And I don't know, you know, in a, in another world, in another show, Phoebe could be a real drain. I mean, obviously, Keely is so supportive and so sweet and so good um, in supporting Phoebe better in many ways than Roy is. But clearly, Phoebe plays a massive role in Roy's life in a way that we don't really know the full details of yet. I mean, her I would say her dad is definitely not in the picture in a meaningful way, and this episode makes that abundantly clear. Um, wasn't as clear before but that 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 was a thing. Uh, we knew that Roy was really active in Phoebe's life, but we speculated on this podcast why. I think this episode has that that piece of information where when the mom gets called into surgery, there is no dad uh, that can take care of Phoebe. He's not around. He's not a guy that the mother can count on uh, in an emergency like that. Roy is the guy. Uh, her, you know, Phoebe's uncle. So. That's a thing, and I could see that presenting uh, some more conflict in a different show, but again, Phoebe seems to really embrace that, and it's not in in any way uh, sideswiped by any of this. She's more on board for it than Roy is in some respects. Uh, Roy seems to be grumpy about it, and Keely is very supportive of Phoebe immediately, so... Uh, who is I- bernard oh yeah. so funny he just wants yeah. to,
2: he just wants to beat kids
1: up this yeah week. He, just, he just wants to beat everything up the whole world yeah. like roy roy, roy sees sees the the whole world as one big head object uh which yeah. is probably part of what made him an excellent footballer uh but maybe uh needs to uh needs to evolve a little bit for his reintegration into polite society as we could say
2: yeah. Um it's just it was just a very, very funny storyline. Um I felt so bad for Phoebe the entire time. Um I felt maybe a little bit less bad when Roy uh offered a thousand pounds to both Keeley and Phoebe if he didn't find a dentist within ten knocks of the door in his neighborhood. So funny. which was a hysterical offer. Um I, I loved the connection back to, oh, uh, can I get an ussy? Uh, that he ended up being at the Christmas dinner. Like, you know, like not everybody gets a moment in this episode from like the, the greater Ted Lasso cast or or at least some people maybe get like smaller moments than you would expect. I think that we both agree that the Jamie Tart usage is really, really wise and good and sharp. Um Nate's barely in this, that's kinda sad. Yeah. Um Dr. Sharon is completely absent from the episode. Um which like beard, beard depending on what the it. show does. Yeah. You know, if, if if the show is like gonna go back and like revisit any of this time, which is, you know, on the table, we'll see as soon as episode five, like why isn't Doctor Sharon around for Christmas? So I guess we would we would we would check in on all of that. Um, but I, I do think that the way in which they utilized uh, some of the other angles of of the series. Um, whether it was just like showing like sort of the sprawl of AFC Richmond at the Higgins family uh, Christmas, which was amazing and I'm looking forward to unpacking um, or, uh, you know, walking around near Ted's home uh, and the guy who calls him a wanker who we haven't right. checked in on in a minute, you know, um, or even just like the uh, the buskers uh, that I feel like we haven't been in on that this season yet. And that was certainly an element of season one. Um, it was a nice way of just sort of like, Checking in on the world of Ted Lasso this week that I thought was uh, was was really well done, uh, and the the Ussy kid screaming out, "Oh, can we get an Ussy?" Like was just like another moment for me that felt like particularly classic
1: and one of the things that's interesting about that and I think it might be in that LA Times article or I might have read it, it somewhere else yeah. yeah that the actress who played the dentist uh, and is ostensibly I guess playing the mother of the ussy kid at this holiday party is the real life mother of the actor playing the ussy kid so yeah uh, it's just a really funny thing that happened there and that they found a way to work together like we'll bring him you know if, if we're gonna if you're his real life mom then we'll we'll figure this out I, I love to wonder like how the Ted Lasso writers room breaks these stories like how in this particular instance did they did they know that this kid had a mom who was an actress and want to use her and find a way to use her in a way that could be in the scene with her son uh and then from there reverse engineer all of this stuff uh oh we could just show up on christmas how do we get there well and then you know I, I just love to know how that how that all broke with uh, I, I just really want to know where i wonder how christmas much bad like- breath comes from
2: how much of it is like bubble stuff like uh you know there's they're filming at a time where you know things are are certainly very hairy yeah um, that's a good call you know do they do they just need to kind of like keep this in the family to some extent and so literally in the family with uh as far as the se guy goes does that mean we're um, going to see
1: jason sudeikis's real life uncle george went on an episode here <laughs> Oh man! Uh, yeah, so probably. people for people that didn't know that and do know who George Went is, I just blew your minds. But uh, probably, yeah. yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, uh, but maybe did, we don't need to I knew in a that show that, that, that was a thing. Maybe we we don't need to in a show that is leaning super heavily into drinking. Like cast somebody who's who's world famous for being well, one of the most I mean, notable I do drinkers. Do you
2: think like getting like a Cheers moment at the bar could be great?
1: Yeah. I mean, Uh, we already sort of get that with the locker room, right? The locker room is very much like a shout somebody's name when they walk into Ted's office as everyone is drinking kind of thing. So who knows? Like uh, the show is very interested in doing, as we said, film shout outs here. Uh, We could get some TV show shout outs. We could get some uh, we could get a cheers moment for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, The Love Actually bit. Are you a Love Actually guy or a Love Actually
1: not? Uh, I like stuff. Some moments of Love Actually. Some, some of those. Some, some of those stories of Love Actually are enraging. Uh, and yeah, like uh, you know, characters being berated for their physical appearance that have make no sense. And the yeah. the Alan Rickman plot it just. Triggers me to the, the moon, but uh, yeah. yeah, some of the, some of the other elements of that movie I really do enjoy. Uh, that's a it's one that this you
2: is the iconic bit. Though, I was just going to say,
1: I, yeah, you're Mr. Daniel Lincoln, right? Like this is a speaking of which, a terrible action by him in that movie, just like aggressively bad. But uh, whatever.
2: Who Rick Grimes?
1: Yeah, Rick Grimes, yeah.
2: Yeah. the man. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Where, and w- yeah. what wither poor Coral, Josh? <laughs>
2: coral of the bells, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what if the walking dead did a standalone christmas has there been a walking dead christmas episode
2: i don't think so i'm pretty sure there hasn't there may have been like a christmas moment along the way where like rick's like coral it's christmas we don't celebrate anymore but this is what we used to do we do uh secret santa uh probably not
1: we get each other stuff and things yeah no, I don't see that happening. So, uh, that was a great, I mean, it was a great moment. I do enjoy love, actually. It, if you're going to do Christmas in the UK, uh, and you're doing Ted Lasso, like, it feels okay. This is the most obvious thing we could do, uh, but also delivered in a very endearing and fun way. And Bernard did seem truly, he, yeah, there's he a good little performance. He seemed humiliated, by that kid.
2: mortified. Like, yeah. he's like, he had, like, he had ruined someone's, uh, yep. life or at least their Christmas. And the the then child actors are sh- great. And then he was being shown, uh, you know, both like, uh, you know, the consequences literally came to his doorstep, but also the possibility of redemption. Yes. You know, like, I feel like, I think like we could laugh about it, but I think that the love actually scene in this episode was like, it it's the show. Right. You know, like everything that happens with Phoebe, like giving him the signs of like, um, my my stinky breath will go away, but unless you change your behavior... You will stink forever. Uh, So do better. I forgive you, but do better. Like that's that feels like the thrust of Ted Lasso. That's certainly like a version of this is what happened with Ted and Rebecca in season one. Uh, And here it is. Like we're getting that refrain again. I think that this is the heart of the show. What we see in this scene is what the writers of the show and the story crafters involved in Ted Lasso. uh, This is the sun. You know, this message, this is what they're orbiting around.
1: It doesn't, though. It's hard to square that with a Dubai Air, with a real villain, right? With somebody that can't just apologize for their actions and can't just simply be forgiven for what they've done. Like, it's hard to square that away. Um, It's also hard to square it away with. And and I'm not. This is not a value judgment of the actions taken by the team. But uh, it's hard to live in a show where Dubai Air Uh, For example, doesn't immediately say like, "Okay, guys, forget it. Like, we're done. No more Dubai Air with AFC Richmond." Like, there's not a world where you can just be nice about it and say, "You know what? We forgive you. We as Dubai Air understand that uh, our our parent company has done some very terrible things that uh, you rightly responded to in a certain type of way." Like, there isn't that level of understanding and nuance in the actual world, and I know the world of Ted Lasso can get away with. Um, having this be an alternative world, like an alternative world where yeah, maybe a kid sees Santa Claus at the end or maybe these apologies uh, are very easy to give if you if you take that perspective um, but they're also introducing elements into this show that don't play on those terms and in doing so, I think they, they put themselves in a very difficult position. I love this version of the show. Please don't anyone misunderstand me but I'm also interested in a version of the show where chickens do come home to roost uh, and I felt like maybe in the first three episodes we were getting there with regard to Ted's positivity, with regard to what Ted does at AFC Richmond, which I think you could say uh, is uh, brought to you in a small way or representative way with the love actually scene, like the ethos of Ted Lasso, the character and the show, uh, I agree with you, are on display there, Uh, but what I thought... We might be seeing more of in this season is how that ethos is a fantastic way to center yourself and a fantastic worldview to have, and it will get you through the toughest of times but not without conflict. And I'm, I'm more interested in the show dwelling on like, okay, what are some of the downsides of this? The Dr. Fieldstone angle really allows them to explore that. Like maybe you have to hold yourself a little more accountable. Maybe being a goldfish isn't the best thing. If you've hurt someone, you can't just shake your head and say, I forget it. It was 10 seconds ago. Like maybe if things have happened, They have to be dealt with and not just forgotten or erased like an etch sketch which seems to be the Ted Lasso way. We don't know what kind of pain Ted is covering up, but it seems so clear that he is covering up a lot of pain, maybe not just from his relationship, um, but maybe from his childhood, as we've speculated. Um, He's covering up a lot of pain, and his worldview is in response to that. But I think we, I think we need to recognize that the worldview is not enough. Like you have to, that can be your worldview, but you have to have a foundation that if that worldview uh, does not work or or is not putting you in a good place, that you can fall back on so that you don't just immediately turn away from it that worldview, or you don't try to uh, cover it up with a bunch of booze when being happy is just not going to work. Like that's I think the version of the show that I'm interested in. I do think that version of the show still exists. I just, totally think that, I just think that it's very difficult, and, and we're seeing that uh, them to thread the needles of doing that. I think the best parts of Season 1, like when Ted has the panic attack in Liverpool and make Rebecca great again, um, I think that is seeing the actual consequences and seeing how this show wants you to believe that being rosy and being kind and being polite and being positive and being forgiving and all these positive elements, uh, they will get you through life. And I think that that's true, but I do think that the show is interested in talking about how maybe sometimes you need other people. That's not another solution. It's not enough. And so with regard to the, the love actually thing, definitely enough when the subject matter is the bad breath of a child and it's one child to another. These people haven't lived lives. They're not carrying around a lot of baggage. Um, When it's something very different like Ted's uh, marriage or Ted's relationship uh, with his family or his father or whatever it is, maybe that's not something. Or Jamie Tart's relationship with his father, right? Maybe that's not something that you can easily get past just by being polite and being good. Like, maybe there's more to it and there has to be more nuance. Um, Maybe that is. Maybe we're talking about Jamie Tart. Like, maybe it's a thing where they're not doing well because jamie tart uh is soft now he's too nice now like what made jamie tart good was jamie tart's pursuit of trying to prove his dad wrong and if he doesn't care about that anymore what's going to make him good now and him finding that is a story i could see them telling with that character so it it just the show is going to be good and at its best i think when it's a push-pull between the ted lasso way and the way that i think everyone else would like him to have a perspective the characters around him are telling him sometimes ted Winning does matter. Um, we haven't really seen the consequences of the not winning. Uh, but I, I would I would like to see that. I really would.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the LA Times article that talks about depression as the enemy of the show, right? Um, right and uh so when i was watching it the second time with my friend who does watch the show and was watching it for the first time I was talking a little bit about like uh some of the things you and i have been talking about on the podcast cuz god forget god forbid he listens to, to yeah, anything that what i a do friend. uh and, <laughs> and so uh we were ta- i was talking to him about like yeah he's like he's you know drinking a lot like we kind of think that this is this might be a thing and my friend just goes oh yeah well he's super depressed uh, right. Like he just like and he's not like, a, like he doesn't like really observe shows like supremely deeply or anything like that. He's just like, oh, this guy's really
1: depressed. Drag like, this him, Josh. Like, he's not listening. We know it.
2: You know, like he's 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 not an earshot either. Right now, it's wonderful. Uh, it's like this is this this guy's this guy's depressed, and so like very clearly, uh, I think. Um, with the introduction of uh, Doctor Fieldstone with Sharon in the mix, um, and with this being something that's like very explicit from the creative team, depression as uh, as a, as an adversary, um, I do think that Ted has to has to face off against himself. Um, I think that the show is going to. It, it, it's not even just that I feel like the show will feel unsatisfying if, if it doesn't go there. I just think that all of the setup is there that it almost like. It has to go there. That has to kind of be where we're driving at. Maybe right the now, other standalone
1: episode feel. is uh, international assassin Ted Lasso.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, but do maybe he gets um, some like
1: ayahuasca or something and goes on oh some vision my. quest. Oh my!
2: Oh my god! <laughs> um, yes, please. Speaking yes. give him drinking. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, I want that very badly with uh, his his brother Kevin Lasso. Uh would be would be very very fun. But not um, drink, not all
1: drinking is bad though, right? Because we had a lot of celebratory drinking oh, in this yeah, episode of course. In, in a non-negative way, I think. I mean, yes. I would say the drinking in the office is a bad sign. It continues to be a bad sign. Almost every gift is booze, and yet they toast to responsibility. But the drinking at uh, Shea Higgins, at the family Higgins' house, I think was so celebratory, I'm, so positive. I'm so
2: mad that I didn't get invited oh, to me, the me Higgins too. party.
1: Me too. You know, I, want I want to go there. To, to be there. a fly
2: on the wall. Yes. Uh,
1: eat Nerf! <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in that pre-cheeked punch. Uh, that's where I would like to be. Um, oh my God. If you're feeling cheeky, Yes, uh, this one is pretty cheeky. Uh, I, I yeah. really that it was a great moment for the team, and certainly a great moment for Higgins. Uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if we're going to go back and fill in the blanks on how Higgins has become more popular, if there's a specific thing, was he involved in any kind of Dubai air backlash, and is that something uh, that the show, knowing that they had already written the 10 episodes and knowing that that was a thing that was on the table, back-referenced by building this plot into this Christmas episode that they wrote after, Um, or is it just a thing that it's a subtle, like, okay... The Ted Lasso way, the vibes and the spirit of community and the the sacrificing for each other, like, is that shown by how close knit the team is now, as opposed to years past when the Higginses would only get two people? Uh, and is that uh, also by way of saying what we've said on a few other episodes, which is that Higgins is quietly like a very stabilizing and positive force at AFC Richmond, and quietly meaning in a way that we don't really always see play out in the storylines. Um, it's just been a little bit of hints, like where he, ha- he absolutely knows the details about the personal lives of just all the random people working there. Uh, he's willing to go move his desk wherever. He's the one bringing in Dr. Fieldstone. He's the one pushing for Jamie Tart to come back. Like Maybe Higgins really is the secret sauce that's going to be part of why AFC Richmond takes off, and then that's a Ted Lasso thing, because Ted Lasso really helped Higgins come out of his shell and helped Higgins get past his guilt over what he did with Rupert and helped Higgins really stand up for himself against Rebecca um, and really changed where Higgins was in terms of AFC Richmond. Um, so ultimately, this all flows from the Ted Lasso way. So it's a very positive representation of Ted's impact on the club, for sure. And a really, really funny way to do it. I can't wait to talk. Let's talk about all the, the specifics of these members of the team that are there at the, at the Higgins house.
2: Well, I just love the, the escalation to it. Uh, Higgins saying in the office that uh, only you know, like only two people ever show up. Like they ho- hold like the open offer every year, uh, and it starts with just Sam. It's like the dwarves coming to Bilbo's house.
1: You know, like more like <laughs> and more and more, and more.
2: Yeah, crack the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. Uh, and like Higgins, kind of the Hobbit of Ted Lasso too. Like I feel. Like- <laughs> And Bilbo higgins uh leslie higgins is kind of a hobbit name i kind of it feel it really like. is
1: yeah uh, we, did, we didn't like, see the full outside of the house but it turns out his roof is covered in grass
2: yeah it's subterranean yeah. uh and- <laughs> I I just I really loved the escalation of it going from Sam and then so many other people are showing up. They're showing up in threes and the model is there. Um, And also, I love like kind of touring around Higgins's world a little bit. I think this is the first time we're seeing his wife, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think it's uh, maybe very quickly. Yes, yeah, earlier. I in think she's season popped one. up
1: very briefly, but this is the most extended. His kids have this for is sure. the most extended uh, Higgins family that we've had for sure.
2: It was beautiful to see because he's talked about how 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 close knit his family is, and so to see that uh, right. was was really really lovely. The kind of thing where, like, at the end of the you know at the end of the evening, he's at the head of the table, she's all the way on the other end, getting just like getting schlocked with Danny yes. Rojas
1: the cheek could punch uh,
2: like i thought that that was i thought that was really 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 beautiful i loved seeing cindy clawford's uh yes. ashes yes. Uh, on the mantle uh poor rip cindy uh off the charts but always in our hearts uh it was just a, <laughs> a a lot of a lot of really fun stuff a lot of really fun stuff the nerf battle the nerf that was battle a- was great
1: yeah, I read that as, as yet another movie call out, Christmas movie that a lot of people would, would say is a Christmas movie. I'm not getting into that debate. Uh, but that, I read that as sort of a Christmas action movie shout out, die hard, if you will. Uh, I, that's, uh, that's where I felt the Nerf battle really had a role in the episode. But you're right. I just love the subtlety of some of the Higgins stuff. Uh, the Cindy Crawford thing is just there. The, 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 the family is just nice. It seems like a positive, loving Christmas. One of his sons has a saxophone, like has a jazz instrument. So it's like, this is being passed down like there's just some some kind of beauty in that that the son wanted an instrument and wanted to play music in the way that his father does right in the way that that is supported in the household. And that's one of the things the kids want. The kid wanted another kid wanted a surfboard, which is hilariously uh, not a note I would normally assign uh, to the great uh, island over there. Uh, but there is some surfing there in the UK. So uh, very funny that uh, Higgins' uh, son wants to be a surfer, uh, like an English kid growing up wanting to be an astronaut, maybe a little bit aspirational. But uh, here we are, a giant surfboard that can also double as a dinner table uh, when it comes time. So I just, I really did like all of the elements of the Higgins Christmas house. Uh, And I really love uh, the through line, the story of, Higgins' one son answering the door and being completely gobsmacked by uh, the Richard's date, the model that shows up. Uh, And then later, he's just staring at her as she's drinking and eating a cinnamon stick, and he's just, Santa Baby is playing, and he's very enrapped. And then by the end of the episode, uh, when the live music is going on in the street, he's dancing with her. He's dancing with her. Like, what a great little silent arc that plays out over the course of that episode. Uh, I just, I really, really did like the Higgins household, and it struck all the right notes. Uh, I love the Toast by Higgins at the end. Uh, I, again, not for nothing, he knows the hometowns of every single one of the guys. Um, also, by the way, the hometowns of the actual actors playing these parts. Um, that's the connection there. Uh, so Higgins knows all these details and he can recall them from memory without really having had to do uh, any kind of prep work. Uh, it was unexpected and he's just delivering in the moment uh, in a very powerful way. As I said, not used to seeing this guy really be like a G, like be a home run hitter. Um, I've Knowing the character, the actor playing the character on Downton Abbey, uh, he's such comic relief. He's such a bumbling, goofy fool. And he was a lot of that in season one right like the jokes from higgins or the power from higgins came from him being goofy or uncomfortable or getting himself into difficult positions now he's like a leader of afc richmond and never yeah. has it been more clear than this episode it was such a good moment for him with that toast
2: i loved it i really really did i thought that it was it was it was well earned i thought that it was super deserved i think it's really in character um, with who we've come to see this guy be, you know? Uh, Like, that journey was developed very substantially over the course of season one, uh, to the point that, like, when, um, you know, when Rebecca apologizes to Ted, that's, like, midway through that episode, and, like, the next shoe to drop is Rebecca going to Higgins, and, like, the two of them sort of, like... Uh, settling, settling what's left unsaid for 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 both of them. So, I don't know. I I really, really loved it. It was uh, it was just like good, sort of like comedic juice running through the rest of the episode. Um, but I think that there is like a lot of touching stuff underneath it. Is, it's certainly like very like rightfully builds to that moment where Leslie toasts to the team and calls out where everybody's from with like immediate recall showing like the level of like personalization between these relationships. Um, I, I really, really loved that. Uh, and then of course everything spills out into the streets and we've got like the big final musical send off of, of the episode. Uh, you know, when Hannah Waddingham busts out, let it go. Like you can't put that back. Uh, right. I guess yep. right, yep. like you know, like you got to build to another uh, Rebecca sings moment. Also um, makes so- it clear
1: the possibility. I think that another standalone episode. And I don't. I'm not a big Scrubs guy, but I I I believe that this is the case with Scrubs. Like we could get a Ted Lasso musical episode. Like we could do that outside of the continuity as sort of just a fun episode. Like. There's a world where they could get into that, and where the creators of the show um, have played with that, and where they have the tools. I think, at least in one big instance, uh, to have some real fun with that. So that we we could see that this is not, this may not be the closest we get to a Ted Lasso Christmas or musical episode, is what I'm getting at. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Um, what I will say is, I I think it's pretty surprising to me. Um, that um, we've come this far into the podcast without stopping down to acknowledge uh, in a really meaningful way that uh, Santa Claus literally exists in the universe of Ted Lasso.
1: Yeah, Santa Claus is Ted Lasso in this episode, uh, delivering gifts, wearing a Santa hat, referring to... Uh, his ex as Mrs. Claus, uh, and his sort of positive energy and positive vibes, and his whole mantra is believe, right? Like Ted Lasso is Santa Claus in a way, uh, but the uh, the real Santa that we see in this episode, and it was sort of a little bit of a story. That uh, emerged between one of Higgins' sons, who's right at an age uh, where he might start to question that. Uh, we what we see actually ultimately is Sam saying, you know, the true test of or Santa's true power is not his speed, but his endurance. Um, which again, you could you could easily map that onto Ted uh, and his work at AFC Richmond. It's not so much that he can get everything done in one night; it's that he's not going to give up until it's done. Um, and Ted wearing a Santa hat the whole time really uh, connects that, but. Uh, at the end I read that as just a tribute to the movie Elf uh, where Santa does exist a movie Elf uh, and where that is something that um, that is in the story but that the kid who is a little bit sour on Christmas and a little bit cynical and a little bummed out over his family situation at the end of the episode looks up and and sort of sees uh, the the sleigh speeding away Um, that is really the end moment of that uh, as everybody's on the streets kind of singing and dancing Uh, very much I think uh, in a way that the rest of this episode had call outs uh, from the leg lamp to Ted in the window with a Christmas carol uh, style Scrooge opening with the shot from below um, to the love actually of it all uh, to some of the needle drops uh, claymation and all of that. It's a wonderful life literally on the television. I took that as mostly an elf tribute, but also I think a way of saying The Ted Lasso ethos, uh, this is a world where belief is everything and it doesn't matter what people tell you and it doesn't matter what logically seems to be true or not. If you believe it's real and that's ultimately, I think, where the Santa element plays in on this. I don't know. What do you think is that? I think we're on the same page about this because we talked about it a little bit off air, but what do you think about uh, the Santa Claus moment at the end? I think it triggered a lot of people.
2: No, uh, well, first of all, I'm surprised it didn't fully trigger you, considering what happened once upon a while when a UFO randomly dropped into a TV show. So, yeah, like I was, one where it I didn't like, fit. <laughs> I was slightly Santa nervous Claus fits
1: well into Ted Lasso. Uh, uh, aliens was, don't fit in a fucking true crime story, Josh. Okay,
2: all right. Oh God, uh, I I was slightly nervous Sorry, when Santa. I saw that. Oh, a I I for that, that one yeah you're on the naughty list for sure was already you're really on racking list. up the tally we're gonna have to talk <laughs> about your language uh that uh i i think that it, i thought it was i thought it was totally uh in line with the show uh yeah. i thought that it was it was it was very of a piece with with ted lasso um i i thought that it was great i thought it was a beautiful button at the end of the episode um you are like in the camera work so firmly rooted in the perspective of higgins's son um looking up at the sky and seeing that um that like i think that you can really just like kind of like view it as the touch but i think like uh but what it what it represents and like the i think like that that's what i'm what i'm feeling the most is like i think that like the possibility that santa could exist in the world of ted Lasso is was like something that you can like you could buy to some extent. Like, I think like that is the vibe of the universe of the show. Uh, like, obviously like that is probably like several bridges too far, the literal interpretation of that. But I think like, it's the kind of thing where like in the world of Ted Lasso, you want to believe that Santa is real, you know, in the world of Ted Lasso, like you can almost believe it. Um, and I think like that sort of like uh, persistent optimism, When certainly I can speak for myself when I'm just feeling so cynical every day uh, is a really uh, alluring and warm and welcoming part of uh, visiting this show every week. Um, So I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was great. I had no issues with uh, the Santa thing at the end. I'm not like (laughs) looking out for Santa to show up in the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso. You know, to like have like some sort of moment where he's he tells. Ted that he has to, <laughs> to drink this milk so that he can become the protector of Christmas um,
1: <laughs> or kick a penalty. I like to see Santa on the pitch kicking a like a, taking yeah. a penalty kick and uh, helping AFC Richmond uh, secure promotion talk too much way.
2: about his job as Santa Claus we should be talking more about his acting
1: <laughs> exactly we really should we had a, a, a rule we were told we were not allowed to talk about the uh, uh, job at all we we're only allowed to talk about the acting and yet here we are it's a cosmic gumbo yeah <laughs> I uh, I love the work. I really do. I, I I just I understand where people might be upset about that because it's a little bit of magical realism, right? But I, the idea of Ted Lasso is almost magical re- realism in a way. Like the the whole premise of the show walks you right up to it. There there isn't necessarily real magic, but as you're pointing out, Compared to the world we live in, it may as well be like prestidigitation. Like, it may as well be making objects appear out of thin air, bending spoons, or cutting people in half. Like, it is uh, it is very real stuff. It is definitely magical, uh, the Ted Lasso point of view, uh, and carrying us through these times. I think that's why the show was such a success uh, as it emerged last year in the midst of everything. So... Um, I, I think there is a little bit of the believe magic in the Ted Lasso way. That's the whole sign, and if you believe it, uh, it is true. Uh, and you could, you know, your your attitude, your point of view, is what makes a thing real, not necessarily any specific evidence to the, you know, to that element one way or the other. I think it fits very well with the Santa perspective, and I think it fits very well as played out. On the Higgins child, like uh, over the course of that episode. Like, he's fighting the logic of it a little bit. Uh, Sam's helping him a little bit with the logic in a very polite and really kind and thoughtful way. Uh, that is. Uh Sam does not need to do this. This is not something Sam uh, holds preciously, uh, as he hilariously points out uh, in this episode. Like, Christmas makes me think of colonialism. Like, but for, him <laughs> right, to, right. for him to be able to put that aside and be, you know, real kind to that kid in the moment uh, and help him in his moments of doubt, um, and then to see that pay off at the end of the episode, that belief is everything, uh, and that the magic of what's happening out front of the, the child's house uh, manifests in, it in a way. I think that is, uh, that's dope. I really did enjoy that.
2: Um, anything else from the episode if we want to start shifting towards some free kicks just there's there's so much in here reference upon reference uh are there are there any i i now I'm hesitant to call them easter eggs should call them are there any leftover cookies
1: to, <laughs> to chew upon. Some crumbs. You chew on a cookie. Yeah, you like munch, munch on a cookie. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes a chewy cookie. masticate cookie. Uh, yeah, you for sure. It? There's definitely free kicks and we could do that, but uh, let's separate this. Let's talk about some of the shout-outs that were there. Um, some of them, I think, were a little bit maybe through needle drop or a little bit less overt. I mean, I don't think you can... I certainly can't hear uh, the Melakaliki Maka like the Hawaiian Christmas song uh, without thinking of Christmas Vacation. Uh, yes. So it being present there is a thing the leg lamp of course in Keeley's apartment is a thing we had the love actually the claymation elements um, we had the Christmas Carol moment of course we're watching it's a wonderful life like I said I think the nerf war is a little bit of a shout out to die hard or the Christmas action movie uh, and then we have the elf at the end I'm sure there were more that I didn't necessarily pick up on um, some of them may have been uh, more connected to needle drops from the you know than you know for you than they may have been uh, for me um, but we had a lot of we had the greatest hits we we went for quantity over quality with the needle drops, uh, but for the end, of course, which was a live performance, I think we went for quantity over quality on these. We got as many of these greatest hits in as we could.
2: Yeah, uh, I I really loved it. Uh, it was it was just very clear how much like this felt like. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a way that's like not offensive of putting this because I certainly don't mean it as an insult, but it, like it felt like. Um, I don't know, it felt like it felt like a student film, like it felt like film school stuff. It felt like like a deeply researched Christmas episode. You know what I mean? Like it felt it felt like it was really like it was the result of um whether just like really sitting and copiously uh taking down notes from from other stories in the in the in the genre in this specific space, like the the Christmas movie subgenre. Um uh or if it's just like the accumulation of a lifetime of experiences and like exposure to this stuff. Uh I think uh it it like the that 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 feeling, that sort of like love for these movies and like how to like map that on to Ted Lasso and all the characters that are in play, uh, it just felt like very, very artfully done. I was I was really impressed with the way that it worked out.
1: It was. Let me show you my student films, Josh. Yeah. If, if you're impressed by student I'd love films, let's see. Uh um, let's see. The, the uh the, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think what you're saying, you know, is that, it's, that there was a lot of, there was, they didn't half-ass this one. Like, they really put a lot of love into this. They really put a lot of effort into connecting the things that they wanted to connect from just a direct reference standpoint or a vibe standpoint, capturing the vibe of a lot of these things and understanding the emotions that are present in Christmas movies, the best ones. I uh, have a little bit of that, uh, the Ted in the dark room by himself drinking whiskey and needing to be picked up like that is it couldn't be more clearly mapped. It's a wonderful life. Those vibes. And Ted has a line where he sort of acknowledges it, where he said uh, that could have got real dark, you know, like me drinking whiskey all day and watching. It's a wonderful life like they're acknowledging like there's a version of this story or there's a version of this that's been told in other ways that gets a lot darker than we're doing in this very episode. Like there is a way where, you know, you could do a Christmas movie and be a lot more saccharine than this was. We're not have a guy threatening to beat up children, you know, like not have some of the, the the more fun elements, not have people boozing it up like crazy, but I think they really captured or not have a a passing reference to the Helter Skelter murders, Josh. Um, Oh my
2: God. Yeah. didn't work (laughs) out for the Helter. I was like, excuse me.
1: Oh God. He's not rude. He's just Dutch. Moss is not Rudy. he's just Dutch, and he brought so fried funny. chicken. Yeah, I, I yeah. really liked that. Is got, that a I
2: tradition? Th- no,
1: no, I, I got three laughs out of that guy this episode, so I'm enjoying that. Was the first real original. Well, I wonder what that Jan fried Moss.
2: chicken was like. I did have this thought it felt like it was not a huge plate, and right. it felt like it wasn't a particularly tall pile, right? Uh, with just like a little what, what was it? Was it like, uh, like four pieces on the plate? Like, yeah. what are we looking at? What was underneath there? I wanted to know. Was it a bunch of like, just breaded cutlets?
1: Yeah, where did he get it? Was it uh, Nando's? Uh, was it, was it a, you know, was it like a takeout chicken?
2: Not brought to you by Nando's, uh, w- Would swear. gladly
1: be brought to you by Nando's. Nando's, get at it. Could- like, would gladly. <laughs> yes. I will the work Ted for- Ted
2: Lasso <laughs> podcast on Post Show Recaps would gladly be brought to you by <laughs> yes. Nando's, I think. I would,
1: I would work for a couple chicken bites and some peri-peri sauce. Absolutely. That's yeah, all it takes. Yeah. Anyway.
2: yeah. Very low bar,
1: Uh, but (laughs) yeah, I I just uh, yeah. There's a lot of chicken involved. We also we also had uh, we also had the chicken uh, in the goat dish, uh, which Higgins was very relieved to hear. Uh, But then we also had the one with real goat in it. So I just really I really loved the Higgins house. It's just so. I mean, if you want to talk free kicks, like everything that went on there, I we saw my uh liverpool boys taking on the new uh football's world enemy psg and all their sports washed money um, and that was uh, happening on fifa with richard i love richard saying like the french believe that having a beautiful woman around at all times uh, is what we should do and i've like that's not not the worst plan like uh, you yeah, know i've heard of worse plans uh, i laughed hard at that uh, I just, I really liked everything that was happening at the Higgins house. I, I loved that. Uh, and so that really, really, really worked. I mean, everything in this episode worked really well for me. We really didn't talk about the details of, um, and I think we're just basically free kicking around here. We did not talk about the details of Ted and Rebecca's quest as they as they marked around, but that was a very funny scene at that little yes. girl's door, the first, uh, the presence delivery. Mom, that there's there. two white people at the door and they're smiling. yes. Do I get notes of Beijing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Notes of
2: Beijing was very funny. Yeah. Uh, you smell that? Oop, that's the Himalayas. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm telling you, the child actors in this show are very funny. Like, I don't know if it's by virtue of working in the UK uh, and they're not just all wrapped up with the Americanization of like the, you know, the child actor uh, thing that is a thing, you know, that just uh, really just uh, hangs over everything or what. Uh, but the, the child actors in the show, they've done a fantastic job with. Uh, and there were so many several child actors in this in this episode alone that brought laughs uh, that really brought fun moments so just again, kudos to them for continuing to crush it with regard to the child actors in the show they 're doing a great job, and hopefully that 's a product of a show that is reflective of the Ted lasso being kind to each other, being supportive like hopefully they're they 're that way with these with these kids that come on the set and that 's why we 're getting what we get out of the child actors so much on the show i really i really love that. Um, Just uh, really, really funny stuff.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other things that I enjoyed. I I loved uh, Nate's present to Ted being the photo of the two of them uh, after the first win and beard just being written all over. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) And not really like, yeah, which you put all over my face and body.
2: I guess I hope that uh, the next standalone episode of Not Being Outright Secret Agent Beard is maybe an additional Christmas episode that checks in on Beard and Jane at Stonehenge. Uh, They both have the tickets, so they both went to go anyway. (laughs) They're probably back together by the end of that trip, right?
1: You would uh, absolutely like the the yeah. uh, the the, 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 itic- the lunacy of that the just going as friends on Christmas to Stonehenge trip. Uh, no one in the room believes that. Everyone in the room sort of just rolls their eyes at it, right? So yeah. very very funny. Like uh, I I don't know. Is there? Do you think there's any reason that we didn't fit these two into the extended episode? Um, you you know you're j- you're joking about having another Christmas episode catching up think- on beard.
2: I think for for um, for Nate, like maybe you can fit him in to the Higgins stuff, but does that like take away from like a storyline that you're trying to accomplish with Higgins specifically? Uh, so like, I I think I get that choice to a to a degree, but I think Nate fits into the episode easier than Beard. I think Beard has a harder time fitting into the episode. I have a very difficult time thinking that Beard is kicking around the neighborhood and not being with Ted. And so That's exactly if, right. Yeah. If Ted, if Ted has to go on this journey with Rebecca in this episode, Beard's got to go to Stonehenge. You got to white beard off the table. He's 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 not going to the Higgins party on his own. Like he's right. like you know he's making sure that he's available for his friend.
1: Yep, hundred percent. Completely agree with that. The Nate one, I was a little less sure of. You know, we we talk so much on this show about father and son relationships. Jamie and his father, Ted and his father. Uh, and how those two were sort of related to each other. We got Sam and his father and what that kind of reflected, uh, to Ted with his choice with Jamie. Um, here, we find out a little bit more about Nate's father. We've known he he's worn his dad's suit, uh, and he's got a, a very close relationship with his family. Uh, but we find out now, sort of as a joke, I think, mainly, uh, that his dad hates everything, uh, which is a little bit on par with Nate and his high standards. Uh, and Nate having, as he's put it, he's very picky with regard to relationships. Uh, we know he has super high standards with regard to sports drink or uh, the particular brand of detergent that is used on laundry so nate's dad hating everything is a perfect thing to map onto nate uh but i don't know if there's anything more there there like nate's family relationship um is there more grist to to the mill like is there uh, a way to show how that has formed nate or shaped nate in some way like nate's uh power trip that he goes on is this because he has negative support at home or there's some kind of pushback from his family we don't really know um and I don't know that this episode gets us any further in that direction, but I, I, it is at least a passing note about uh, his his family and specifically his dad, which, as I was saying, we know is an important relationship in the context of this show. So I, I am interested to see if that was something or if it was just a joke. Uh, and I guess we'll find out over the course of the rest of the season and beyond uh, if there is something to point to there with Nate and his family. But his dad hates everything. That's all I know now. That's funny. Um
2: yeah, I'm trying to think. It's I don't know. It's it's a uh I think I think one thing that's you know sort of like free kick meets feedback, which we're not able to do like the super feedback deep dive this time just because of uh, the efforts of organizing this episode sort of late. Um, but uh, you know, just like kind of like scanning a lot of like the messages that I saw in the Ted Lasso channel, that there was like a, a bit of a feeling of like I liked this, but like felt confused by the place in the story. And I think a lot of us like read that LA Times article that explained a little bit more of the behind the scenes. And I think that like um feelings towards the episode morphed uh, i want to shout jen and aldo who loved the episode from the jump she said um, there's certainly people who felt that way but uh like tova specifically i think uh for for tova it was very much like the second watch after having the context of like okay this was added on to the season relatively late um was was something that uh tova was able to get much more on board with uh, after the fact um and uh also a shout to to Grace who who said I just really loved that episode right from the jump. Um yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I I thought I thought that it was great. I don't mind the break. Uh, I am really interested to see what episode 5 looks like.
1: So much. Um, yeah, so much. I. I think
2: episode 5 uh will will give us a lot of information. Um one way or another, right? Like either like it's moving uh story forward in a big way. Um it's like picking up in a in a really meaningful way on like Sam's big decision and what and Rebecca's big decision frankly yeah. And uh, and what that's going to look like for the team? What is the what is the cultural reaction to the protest? Um, is uh, is you know like are we at war with Dubai Air uh, and and uh, the, the the oil industry writ large? Like what is what is all of this going? <laughs> yes, to, <laughs> we
1: as humans are. If that's what, what you're asking, this,
2: what is this going to look like on Ted Lasso? Could um, sustain a
1: few more casualties if you ask me on their side, but uh,
2: you know I'm I'm interested i'm really interested i think I think episode five will like i don 't know like I think it'll like uh it'll it'll like throw some water on the invisible man as it were like we will get a little bit more of a shape of the thing
1: yes, and i you know I, for me, the more I watch the episode the the more i 'm able to sort of uh divorce myself from the outcome and trust the process of Ted lasso. Um, and that is a, a very sports thing to say, uh, of course, uh, because you have to be able to do that in sport, like you have to be able to trust what you're doing and trust your efforts and not be so focused on the immediate day to day as feedback on those efforts, like you have to trust what you're doing and continue to do it and trust that it will pay off. And I do believe that that's the Ted Lasso, the character a belief system. Whether or not that's the show's belief system, I don't know. Um, I, Of course, we have a somewhat vested interest here, because we're talking about the show uh, and wanting, as we do from our perspective, uh, have pre- having previously podcasted about shows that really reward that level of deep analysis. Um, specifically highlighting you know key little plot moments and how they might evolve over the course of the show, what they might speak to or portend about uh, where characters are headed or where plot is headed. Um, this show, you know, it's a fool me once, fool me twice kind of scenario, right? Like we we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about oh my gosh the fallout from Ted ignoring Nate and letting Higgins move in there, ignoring Sam and bringing Jamie back, not talking to the team about that. What a that was like an old western showdown almost the way that. Was presented at like high noon. Jamie Tart walks out onto the street. Who's going to get shot? What's going to happen? And then nothing happened. Like there was no fallout, there was no negative fallout from Ted bringing Jamie back and not telling anyone at the team. It just didn't happen. Uh, As a matter of fact, the team was closer knit than ever with regard to the Dubai Air thing that happened in the next episode. So then, of course, we're all ginned up. Like, oh my gosh, the Dubai Air thing—it's going to be a big deal. Oh man, Higgins—like Higgins—is saying it. Like this could be a problem. Rebecca's blowing the guy off and not taking his call. The whole team's taking a stand. This is a major moment. And then we're derailed. And of course. We understand we're derailed because Apple said you got to make a standalone episode and they stuck it in here. Fine. But how are we going to go back to it? Are we actually going to go back to the moments after that? And then are we going to start this by saying several weeks before and just go back to right where we were and actually have consequences on this show? Or are we not really going to have consequences in a more direct way? And it's just going to be like, oh, well, you know, the Dubai Air thing happened and, uh, and now we're, we're dealing with the fallout from that. And it's, is it going to be addressed in a less, a less logical and less direct way, but in, in a still a way that the show will, will take on? And I, I don't know the answer to that. And you're right. The next episode will tell us a lot about where we are with the show. Um, and frankly, I, you know, after I watched it the maybe second time, or at least the first time, uh, I thought, okay, well, this is just a flash forward. like We're going to go back. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was, okay, there are a couple things here that were back referenced, like Beard and Jane breaking up off screen, or Higgins is all of a sudden exceptionally popular. And when Higgins and Sam and his son have a laugh about Dubai Air, uh, maybe the awkward laugh isn't just because his son dropped an F-bomb like I do on this podcast. Maybe... It is that something very awkward happened with Dubai Air and the fallout of Sam. And Sam is like, Why are we bringing this up here? And Higgins is like, Yeah, why are we bringing this up here? And everyone nervously, awkwardly laughs about it on the holiday. And we're going to go back and find out what that was. Uh, I don't, you know, I, at this point, I don't really care. Um, I think before, or the first couple times I watched the episode, I really cared uh, because I want the effort that I'm putting into the show uh, and trying to analyze these little moments to be worth it. Like I have a vested interest as I was saying, Uh, but I think the show is teaching me not to care as much about that. And to just live in the theme, live in the moment, live in the, you know, the, the great interactions between these characters and trust in that, uh, and trace that, uh, in more than, you know, while we made a passing reference to Nate's dad being a dick, that's going to be a big storyline. I'm not as focused on that at this point with this show. And this episode really helped me focus on the important things in life. Uh, maybe that's the whole point of the holidays. Maybe that's the whole point of Christmas and maybe it really helped with Ted Lasso, um, the TV show. Uh, Maybe it's helping me adjust to that a little bit more and lower my expectations for, um, what could be delivered and just revel in the the Higgins house of it all, like revel in the, the positive energy that the show emanates uh, and not focus so much on the logic of, of course, there would be immediate and swift fallout to the Dubai air moment. Like, of course, that would happen. So if they want to come back and have it be like late December and that's when the fallout is happening, fine. Like, I'm just going to have to suspend my disbelief and not care about logic in the show. And maybe that's what I'm supposed to do in a show that ends with uh, Santa Claus in the sky at the end.
2: Yeah, you said the Higgins House, and I just thought about the haunting of Higgins House.
1: (laughs) Season three, Netflix. Let's do it. Let's do a Halloween
2: episode, is what I'm saying. Oh,
1: I love that. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. And look, if they had broken all 10 episodes, right, then it seems to me logically that they would have had to have had a time jump baked in here as it was. And then said, well, this is a perfect place to slot this in. We already had the time jump. We were already going to go from, well, they were, what they were like, uh, nine games in. So probably late October um, as the snow is just beginning to fall there. uh, Maybe they're taking a little bit of license with the weather, but we know they were nine games in. Game week nine in the championship is probably like mid to late October. So... We, we time jumped maybe we all maybe we always had a time jump baked in here maybe they were always planning not to do a direct follow-up to dubai air and to find us like in the middle of things a few like six weeks later 10 weeks later however long it is i'm terrible at math um but we uh, don't
2: like to do math on a podcast
1: we don't it's not a math cast like that's a different no. thing uh but uh so, maybe that was always the plan. And, and, and if so, then it made sense to slot this in there. If it wasn't always the plan, this is an easy way to sort of seat themselves in a later point in the season's continuity uh, and back reference a few things that they already knew they were breaking, um, like maybe Higgins standing up or Beard and Jane, uh, stuff that they could go back that when we watch this episode later, let's say properly placed in the continuity. So, if, we, if, if they do, if this was a flash forward, If we watch this uh, in the context of whenever Christmas occurs in the actual timeline, some of the things in the show take on a different meaning. Like they had the ability to do an episode like that. Whether they did that or not, I I don't know. And at this point, frankly, I've tried to teach myself not to care. And that's where I'm at with it, for sure. I I understand if other people are a little more triggered um, by the, you know, I recognize with this podcast, we create uh, a belief or a uh, desire for uh, this sort of investment, right? and for that investment to be paid off on. I realize we're part of the problem with regard to this and maybe the solution is just sit back and enjoy. like maybe we should just sit back and, and enjoy.
2: Um, well, I am uh, I'm I'm sitting forward on the edge of my seat getting ready to enjoy episode five of season two of Ted Lasso. So, so my uh, my enjoyment not at all, diminished as we are looking down the line what's this next one called trying to do the quick search ooh rainbow uh, is gonna be the name uh, uh, of season two episode 5 rainbow uh, is Ted lasso um, I, I I don't know if there are trailers I never watch them are there trailers for the episodes?
1: This this is I've been watching like like I during the Olympics and other like live events that I've seen commercials the last few weeks. You would see Ted Lasso commercials and they would like contain they would they would be very first of all, they would be very brief commercials. They wouldn't be like a one minute or even like a 30 second. It felt like a 15 second like just a teaser. But sometimes in those teasers there would be scenes that I didn't recognize. And I wasn't sure if these were scenes from the next episode, from episodes to come. Like I I don't know that I've seen a proper trailer for next week's episode on any in any realm, but I have seen stuff teased or shown in commercials that I know had not been shown on previous episodes. So maybe there are. One of the things they do that I've tried to put into the Discord at post show recaps uh, our Discord, I I have um tried to put in there, the, there's a little bit of extra content every week. And it's like a post match press conference with someone, uh, usually a team member, one of the team members. And it's just like a deleted scene or like an extra joke or something. Uh, I think they call it extra time. Uh, and they usually the official AFC Richmond Twitter account tweets that out. Uh, and that is some extra content I know they create week to week. I don't know about a trailer, though. I actually don't think they do. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't need to be watching a trailer. And like I said, in another world, we'd sit here and talk about how Rainbow, well, we had one passing reference to Colin uh, thinking an app was like, grinder and a suggestion that maybe he was gay and so maybe rainbow is his coming out episode like we would do that and not be rewarded so i'm not going to do it even though i just mentioned it uh it's just to say rainbow is a loaded word there's a lot that they could do with a rainbow there's a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow um it's usually what emerges after a storm right when the sun begins to shine uh, after it's been raining uh or you know there is obviously the pride connection of it all so there's a lot of things they can do with that um i don't know We'll see. Uh, it does not seem like it could link us to a particular timeline, one way or the other. Except maybe Easter. I doubt we're going to do another time jump. So uh, who knows? Who knows what we'll see next? No more Easter eggs. no more Easter eggs. Um, all
2: right. Well, we'll be in it. Uh, we're com- we'll come. We'll come. Come back your way at the regularly scheduled time. Get your feedback in. Ted Lasso at post show recaps. Dot com. You can hit us up on Twitter at roundhoward, at AC Mazzaro. How many Z's? How many R's?
1: It's a two Z's and one R situation.
2: It's an important situation to be <laughs> monitoring at all times, just in case that shifts.
1: Yeah, uh, come, uh, I'm debating it. I'm debating it. We'll see.
2: Uh, I might just go to out. a
1: symbol only.
2: Uh, check us out patreon.com slash post show recap subscribe at any level that you're able to if you're able to I will say we're getting very close to that one year anniversary of the Patreon we've got some exciting things in the hopper get in while the getting's good you want to be cool before it's really cool to be involved Uh, but of course in the discord we do have uh, we have regular Ted Lasso conversations so if you are loving the show you want to get in on that a lot of people who are really loving the show as well in our next of the woods so consider signing up patreon.com slash post show recaps antonio anything else
1: you said a lot of things in the hopper is that an easter egg teasing this october's mm-hmm. stranger yeah. things coverage on post show oh recaps? my
2: god don't you dare Jerry hopper uh, i was so relieved to see that the release date for stranger things season four is some nebulous 2022 <laughs> yeah, we're not do gonna not,
1: see that year <laughs> we're not making do it do not
2: do not put me in a position where Mike Bloom and I have to think about covering Stranger Things at the same time that we're trying to bring down the hatch in for a landing. I don't want anything to do with that. That is a, that is a dark timeline for my
1: life specifically. Yeah, that is a uh, mind flaying that is happening there. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right. do, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else. I, there, I mean, the only thing I will say is... Uh, they got my favorite Christmas song in here, which is Fairy Tale of New York. They, they managed that in a way that was just sort of a little performative moment with the slow motion of Roy and Keely and Phoebe walking down the street. Um, but uh, they, they got my dad's favorite Christmas song at the end there, always emotional for me, Baby, Please Come Home, uh, Christmas, yep. Baby, Please Come Home. The Darlene Love, uh, performing that on Letterman every year was a big moment in the Mazzaro household, never mind the Higgins household. So uh, did they get your favorite, Chris- favorite Christmas song in here, Josh? do you have um, I don't a favorite know. christmas I song
2: i don't know if i have a favorite christmas song uh i love christmas carols so i did love uh the ringing from like bell to bell uh uh harko the bell's sweet silver bells like was just a really funny sequence to me uh because like it's just such an angelic song um you know just like the 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 choir component to it yes um yes. and to like have that mapped on I just could not stop, just like howling with with Roy, just repeating over and over again. <laughs> are you a are dentist? Are your parents a dentist? Are your parents a uh, dentist? Uh, uh, slayed me, let alone uh, the sleigh bells. Uh, so I thought it was great. I thought it was. I thought it was really, really funny. That was my. That was my favorite music moment of the episode, for sure. I just
1: wanted to hit that because we usually talk about the end credit song at the end of yep. the podcast, and uh, this one was. It's, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to top. Uh, a street performance, live music performance with everyone in the cast dancing or, or almost everyone in the cast dancing around on the street at night on Christmas. Like they're, they're going to have they're going to have to work hard to do better uh, as far as end credits go. Uh, that was just so good. So shout out to Ted Lasso uh, and all the team behind uh, Ted Lasso, the show, because this was a great moment uh, and, a, and a really great episode, one that I definitely want to revisit at Christmas for sure.
2: Yeah, 100 percent agreed. All right, folks, we'll be back next week. Take care of yourselves. See you later. Bye bye.
1: Cheers.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh.